All right. This is Polo. This is Becky. We here. We coming. The battle continues. This is Born to Battle. Damn it. I can't start with the show. And this time, oh, we're gonna I'll bring you with a little bit of fun. Alright. Oh, it's time to battle. I'm ready. Uh, I know you are from. Let's do it. Yeah, man. Let's get to it. Um, so speaking of some flows, this episode is going to go back in and reference the conversation we were having with Wendell. This is going to be part two. Um, the first one was called Hoops and Hobbies. This one is going to be Music and Friends. I don't know. Something. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we're going to reference, go back to that conversation. It was a really good conversation that we had with Wendell. Um, and because of that, it, we had so much content that we wanted to put it all out there. But uh, I didn't think or we didn't think that somebody would want to listen to a three-hour podcast all at once. So uh, we we're, we split it up for you guys. What do you think, Chris? Is that a, is that the right move? I think it is, man. I think it was a, a really good show because, man, Wendell, what a good guy. And the guy that's a great at telling stories. I love listening to everything he says. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, everybody has such a different approach to life and, and the experience is very different. So getting all those perspectives is pretty cool. Oh, most definitely. You heard that one on the now. Yeah, man. So before we hop into that uh, portion of the conversation, uh, I thought it'd be cool if we did a little question session to start. Um, and, in, and since it is focused around music on this episode, uh, my first question to you, who is someone you've wanted to see perform, or but you never had the opportunity or, or you missed the chance that you had? Oh, no one's tough. I really do think, um, in terms of music, I really have a certain artist at certain times that I'm really feeling more than others. So I think when I go back, I wish I was able to see like um, the up in smoke joint way, way back with West High Connection with Snoop Dogg all those guys. But when I was still very, very young, mm-hmm. I was thinking with a more recent, especially after uh, Coachella, I wanted to see Beyonce. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Did you, watch, uh, did you watch the Netflix? Uh, I didn't, I didn't. And I think it's all very different for me to want to see more of a singer in concert. But I feel like 
artists and, and compared to a lot of other artists, the some singers are amazing in culture because how great their voice is. Yeah. But, oh man, I'll be so mad. They lip singing. <laughs> yeah, that would kill the vibe, right? There's no point. Why would you go see somebody lip sync a song? That thing is the Super Bowl. I live in Carlton. They lip sync. I get it. They're dancing and everything, but come on, man. I'm here for your voice. Mm-hmm. Not your damn man. Yep, exactly. Now, how about you? How would you go on? Um, well, two that never had the chance to see would be like Tupac and Biggie, just because um, I feel like the atmosphere at those concerts were probably just insane. Uh, lots of energy and also like tension. <laughs> yeah. uh, just because you don't know who's in there. It was kind of weird times in, in hip hop. Um, so, yeah, I think those two definitely would have been really cool to see. And then a more current one would be J. Cole. I've had a couple opportunities where I was like, eh, I could see him next time. Eh, I could see him next time. And then now it seems like he barely even tours. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think next time I get an opportunity to see J. Cole, I'll probably hop on that. Um, but like you said, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are performers that can put together a good song in a studio, but when they actually are performing it, it oh. doesn't quite live up to, to the hype of the actual track. Uh, very true. And that's why I've done a handful of times, but you go to a small little a bar, or something of that, and get um, some uh, artists that nobody knows. Mm-hmm. They're trying to begin their career, and with something of that nature. And those are the best live concerts in a small and ten person menu. And boy, they really put it out there. That's true. Um, going back to watching like a good singer perform, uh, one that sticks out in my mind was The Weeknd. Uh, he was, yeah. I didn't expect him to be as good as he sounds on his tracks, but mm-hmm. he, he really lived up to that hype. I was, I was surprised and it was probably one of the better uh, performances I've seen. Oh, very cool. I applaud you for going to this and uh, giving this shot, man. I know it was, yeah, good music on the radio, but how does it translate mm-hmm. is always the big question and concern that comes up. Now, what's something in the realm of music in any capacity? that someone might not know about you and music. <laughs> in like fourth or fifth grade, I was in choir. Oh. So like I had had a little, like the private uh, little uh, like tryout 
with the music teacher at the time. I forget her name, but um, something that has <laughs> has stuck out to me, like from that that moment, was and I, granted, I'm not a good singer, but I was doing it just because you know I felt like I should. And um, she was like, uh, she wrote in my note or my yearbook saying, "Just keep singing." <laughs> Oh. And uh, I, I never sang after that, but it was it was funny that she wrote that. Yeah, yeah. And man, maybe I should have just kept singing. Oh, yeah, you never know. <laughs> I got a great voice. <laughs> You do, you do. I've never heard you just sing though. I mean, you could try, you give it a shot. It's not like anyone is listening. That's true. <laughs> Nobody listens to me. Yo, when I'm in the car, though, oh, baby. It's, like a, it's like a live performance. Man, the car is your bathroom shower. <laughs> For real. I do love me some karaoke, not going to lie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> okay, we're okay. No way to go. And that's my, I guess, the favorite thing uh, with karaoke, uh, having all the lyrics. Because as much as I love music, and also I have a really good memory not to tune my own but for some reason, I can't remember any lyrics to any song ever. Yeah. I don't get it, man. But you could tell me about your on a day last week. I remember everything. I listen to a song every day of a week. I can't remember the chorus. <laughs> you, you catch the melodies, not the words? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I recognize the beat and all the sound, but I have no clue what they say. Yeah. I'm bad, man. I don't know what's wrong. You would think with the melody, it would be a lot easier to remember, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like what people do in school, right? They try to study by using, like, putting whatever they're trying to study into, like, a song format. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes it helps. I guess for you, it wouldn't help. you just be like, damn, I got this melody stuck in my head. <laughs> I don't remember the words. Uh, this did not work for me. I'm going to fail this test. <laughs> oh, man. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. That's too good. Um, uh, please, please never set me up of a failure with a dumb thing like that, man. Okay, fair, fair. I I got you. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, let's hop back into this conversation with Wendell. Uh. This. This part is going to dive into him getting into music 
following up his his basketball uh, injury and kind of what happened with that. Um, so just another segment of his life that was really interesting to find out about. What'd you think, Chris? Oh man, I loved it. It's crazy how you know, friends with someone and there's so many more layers to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And reconnecting with old friends, you gotta be you gotta find out about what's happened in their lives and uh-huh. You know, a lot of it, you're just like, wait, what? That happened? Like, no way. And it's like, there's things you wouldn't even imagine that that people are doing or out there doing it. And it's pretty cool to find out. And um, I think everybody can learn from the different experiences that we all encounter. So uh, Um, let's let's, uh, go ahead and dive back into that conversation. So you did lead into like your next phase of life. I, th- I think you've gone through like five or six different phases in life. Oh man, big time, man. If not more. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, but it, it's so funny because like I've, I've witnessed a lot of it from afar. Like since high school, right. we haven't really been that close, um, but I, I've seen you from the basketball side and then I, I've even seen you perform live music. Right. So um, I, yeah. I only know like just the surface level of your music biz I, if you want to get into it, we can get into it. I I don't know how much time you got. <laughs> time, bro. I got, I'm I'm here, man. I'm okay. here. So, here. Chris, do you know much about uh, Wendell's music business? I know enough to where whenever it drops an album, I know I listen to the whole thing, and <laughs> I remember I like, man, if he comes to LA and performs, I'm there. Hell yeah! <laughs> sure. Hell yeah! That was actually one of my first times performing. Uh, and that was before I even kind of let people know um, that I was really doing music out here. Um, but yeah, the music was crazy, man. The The music was crazy. And it really started um, from straight from my injury from basketball. Um, I would say that especially the love I had for the game I feel like most would probably, you know, spiral down a bad path of just, I don't know, depression or whatever it may be. And don't get me wrong. I was definitely, you know, down, you know, but for what I had accomplished and for where I was at, I would say it wasn't long. And I was just in it. I was coping myself with just smoking. I was just writing and I literally just wrote up a mixtape, just bought beats off of, YouTube and just started writing. I was smoking just to ease my pain and just love making music and music is just big and, you know, runs in my blood. And I just, I I love making music. And that literally, I didn't know anything about the industry. Didn't know anything about the business, nothing. I was smart enough to know that I need to buy my beats, I guess. And um, (laughs) at that time, there was a lot of guys locally that would just be ripping music or ripping people's beats off of YouTube and not having exclusive rights and that, this, that, and the third. I made a mixtape called Rookie Season, and uh, it did ten thousand, a little over ten thousand dollars. And I was like, "Yo, I'm onto something." Yeah, respect. And, when I, and, and I think it, a lot of it was just from support of just people knowing me from basketball and just relationships and stuff like that, and just a more of a support thing. But I knew I, I was onto something once I started seeing 
you know, that I got it on all streaming platforms. And, you know, um, uh, at that time, it was really that piff was really where a lot of stuff was from. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I I literally just printed up so many, so many mixtapes and was just slanging them everywhere. And uh, I remember doing one show. um, I can't even remember where it was. It was like a little bar show type of deal. And uh, maybe like 20, 50 people. I don't know. Like it wasn't packed or anything. Wasn't well promoted, nothing. And I just went back and I'm just like, yo, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) I never. Now, mind you, I had stage fright, bro. Like I was really scared to like age and all that. Mm -hmm. Like growing up, I was the kid in school, like, you know, popcorn reading in elementary. I'm going to the bathroom. Like, I don't even want to read. <laughs> popcorn reading. I would take, hey, I would, I would skip class. You know what I'm saying? If it was, hey, we got a project presentation. Hey, Wendell, you're partnered up with so-and-so. I'm straight up telling my partner, yo, I, I hope you're ready to do all the work or take an F because I'm not showing up on that day, bro. Like, I'm not doing no presentation. Like, that was just, at the time, that was just my fears, man. And uh, so just conquering those was huge for me personally. Um, but uh, I just told myself, like, I would never do it again. Like, I wanted to figure out, like, with the, I started seeing a lot of, like, local talent. Like, um, shout out to the homeboy Mikey Vegas and Cool Nuts and some of the other guys out here doing their thing with the music stuff. And and uh, I just started seeing that they were opening up for some of the biggest um, artists coming into town, at least, you know. And I was just like, yo, how do I get to that? you know, stage, like, how do I, how do I do that? (laughs) And, um, I mean, how did it even start? It literally went from, I got, I was really big on Twitter at the time. And there was this guy, um, that reached out to me and now mind you, there was a lot of scammers and stuff trying to get money and, you know, invite you to shows and do all this stuff. But this guy never asked for money. And he was like, yo, I heard your mixtape. We had some guy back out of, um, a show um opening up for the cool kids mike and chuck and you know i was listening to them at the time there's you know some of my favorite artists at the time and it was at um downtown by this right next to the staple center at club icon and um i probably hesitated for a few days like yo is this real is this guy real i'm looking him up i'm trying to see who he is this that and the third and um uh he was just like, yo, I can't, unfortunately I can't, I don't have enough to fly you out, but I'll buy you a cheap Greyhound ticket. If you can, you know, mob out here, set you up in a hotel. He showed all that, you know, and so everything looked legit. And, and, uh, the next thing you know, I'm on a bus by myself, like going to LA, I have stage fright of performing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like, yo, I just made a hey, fuck it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in, I'm going in. <laughs> Bro, I felt like Eminem, eight mile, bro. My head, just <laughs> bro. I'm just sitting here stressing, bro. It was crazy, bro. It really was. And um, I, but I get down there. It's just so funny. This is a testament to like to anyone. If anyone sees this, watches this, is just put yourself out there, man. Like I was such a guy that was so reserved, and like I finally just started putting myself out there. And I noticed that's when the best things come to life, man, and opportunities, man. You know, it turned from like being scared to being on stage. I'm shaking. I'm on this bus. I'm going out there. I'm going to be staying in this little shitty hotel or whatever. Bro, I get out there. 
this dude's a multi, he ended up going to prison because he was, his business was, he was like, I think he was like a big drug dealer or something, a promoter or something. But (laughs) at the time he takes me, bro, I get off the bus. I check into the hotel. He picks me up. We go back to his mansion. He has a mansion party before the show. I don't even stay one night in the shitty hotel. I just still had the time of my life, you know, and, um, I get out there and I'm nervous. Um, I perform my song, let's get it on. And I had lighters in the air and it was literally to this day, probably one of my best performances, which was my second, but first performance. And, um, I saw what, and these are from people that I don't know from a hole in the wall, you know, and to see them vibe to that, let's get it on song and, and to react to me performing because I'm a realist too, at the same time. Like, I'm not that guy that's like how a lot of artists are like, yo, I'm the shit. My music, I'm better than everyone. It's just, I knew that I was smart up here and I can hustle and move and I, I, and I can do it, you know? And, and before I really started really diving in was making sure I could do that and prove concept. And that was the, the $10,000 made from the mixtape, as well as me performing in an LA environment and having people that I don't know vibe to my stuff. And that's when I knew, yo, through all the hate locally or through all any type of hate that, or whatever it may be, you're not a fool for thinking this, like you can do it. And that's when I came back and just started grinding. And, uh, and I told myself I'd never do, <laughs> I never do. I actually did one more bar show. Um, that was still kind of like on the same tip as like the first one. And that's when I like vowed to myself, like I would never do that again. Cause the experience was just so you can't go from, you know, a thousand plus people, a little under a thousand people, you know, vibing to your music in an LA environment and come back home to Beaverton and do a local bar show and it just be so dead and just like, or whatever. And I was just like, I told myself like, it's not happening. And so I kind of waited. I kept just working on stuff. And uh, I reached out to, I did a show and I met my, that's when I met my my fiance now, Laura. Um, She saw me perform one time out in Salem and she's like yo you're amazing like I want to manage you and it wasn't even nearly it wasn't on no like relationship or dating thing like it wasn't anything like that it was just pure like let's help each other grow like I see your talent let's do it and once that happened it just took off like I was literally sending I was kind of stalking people on um on uh the promoter side of like the artists like I was seeing like who was who was throwing the show, who these people are reaching out, emailing. I was sending out fake emails. Um, well, first I was sending emails as myself, um, like, yo, like with my links and all that, like trying to book these shows, like trying to get put onto these shows and I would get no response back. And then as soon as I, um, had Laura come on as my manager and as a, as a woman reaching out to a male, you know, dominated industry, the replies started coming back and they were literally the same emails that I was sending copy and paste. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I'm reaching out to like some of the biggest artists that are bringing these our biggest promoters, bringing out the biggest artists, you know, to the city. And it, it turned into us linking up with a guy named Dave Luna um, based out of Salem. He was doing a lot of the big shows at the time, T-Pain. I mean, I mean, anyone that was coming into town, like he was, he was on it. <laughs> and, um, he started seeing our hustle and our grind and, you know, he give us, it turned out to like paying to get on a show and, you know, or selling tickets. And 
You know, he demand us to sell 20 tickets. We go out there and sell 125, you know, um, or we pay a little bit and still, but regardless, I knew that like, let's just get in. Right. And what most people didn't do at the time, because that's what a lot of people are doing now is they're just dropping cash to get on a show. And it turned into a thing to where, okay, Laura, let's just grind. Let's make him happy. Let's put bread in his pocket. We do that. Next thing you know, I'm opening up for all the big artists in the town. And then it turned into, okay, this guy's selling the most tickets. Like now it's selling less tickets or paying less money. Then they started seeing like, okay, he's the attraction. Okay, well now it's free. Then it went from free to now you get paid a little bit. And then we duplicated that process with every promoter and people are sitting back like, why, did, why is he getting paid? Or why all these other artists that are on the opening ticket? You know, you go to a show and they'll have eight openers. And for the most part, they're all trash, you know, outside of the guys who are actually opening up for the artists. And, uh, you know, it, the, a lot of it was like, yo, Dubs and Laura brought half these motherfuckers here, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's what we duplicated. And it, it just worked out and it took it a step further because, you know, some of the time the artists would see us perform. Most of the time they'd be in the green room, wouldn't even watch the openers. Um, but it led, like, sometimes it led to, you know, um, them seeing the talent, seeing the people we brought out, the promoters introducing us. It led to features. Uh, me in the studio with Tory Lanez. Like, I had a, a Tory Lane feature that I haven't even released yet that, you know, working. Filthy Rich was coming in town. He was stopping by the house with his homies, driving all his foreigns and stuff coming in with a bunch of girls and Laura's he's telling Laura to whip up some whip up some food and <laughs> stuff like that bro like crazy it just took off and Bone Thugs and Harmony was the first one who took me on the road and uh we next thing you know we were traveling around the country with Bone Thugs and Harmony and I got a song with Lazy Bone out of it um you did a couple you know, with him right say what you did a couple with him right yeah I did a couple with, with uh Lazy Bone um same things happen with E40. E40's like is like uncle, you know, he's he's dope. Um Tory Filthy. I mean, there's so so many artists, man. So many. And that's just where it ended up leading leading to me getting a Sony deal. Um now before the Sony deal and how we got the Sony deal was kind of showing and proving and um you know, a lot of these moves led into other big moves. And when you hear people talk about music, they instantly think like the biggest superstars like to make money. And it's like people don't understand there's so many other guys that are under the radar that people don't know about that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, we set up a, a, a headline tour for myself now that I was able to hit the road. With all these bigger artists, we're using Twitter, um, gaining fans like around the country. And um, I had enough clout in the music business out here to where we set up our own. I got the blueprint pretty much on how to set up my own tour. And we made $20,000 from our, my first headline tour. And it was literally paid by people that wanted to just get exposure and open up for me. And uh, we got artists around the town to play $2,000 to go on tour with us. And that pretty much covered the expenses for cheap um, uh, motel six days, you know, and stuff like that as well as, um, but we made, we made a lot of money. It was, it was a pay to play for them. 
and, and a money opportunity for us and as, as well as just some receipts to kind of prove to some other labels and stuff that we had been reaching out to. Um, and uh, music got shut down. Um, I'm, I'm going to end this real quick. Um, due to, you know, you're, you're grinding so hard and all this was for my kids, right? Like, um, and I was missing so much time with my kids, though, you know, and you, you can sit here and say you're doing it for your kids and all this all you want. But when you're living a lifestyle and trust me, I didn't I don't partake in none of that stuff. Like I, I haven't smoked tree and like and, you know, hip hop and tree go together like. Humans and water, like I, I don't, right. you know, and it, <laughs> I had stopped smoking for years. I don't drink because of my acid reflex. Like I, I don't even drink. I, I don't do any of that. I had my, I had my lady. I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, perform in, you know, with the groupies and the girls and all of that. And so I was really level-headed, bro. And, but the time with the kids, we were, I was just so stressed, just trying to, to really make it work. And I was just missing, missing days with my kids and missing my kids grow up. And, um, uh, their mom were, was going through some struggles too, to where I had to step in full time to, to where I just couldn't pursue it. Like I wanted to. Um, so I had been battling that for a year about debating quitting. And, uh, <clears throat> but you know, I still like, I can't stop. So I'm still going as I'm debating quitting. Um, and it was nothing against like, bro, it was what I couldn't stand is a lot of promoters, DJs, artists, the egos, the, you know, no one ever came at me wrong, but just the lifestyle and the egos and stuff, it just wasn't what I wanted to be a part of. Um, I loved making the music and I loved doing it, but I just didn't want to be a part of that industry. And so battling it for a year, um, we kind of used the receipts and all the stuff that we have done from the, the openers, the features, this, that, and the third, the followers, the numbers pretty much um, to some of the labels. I ended up signing a Sony deal and we celebrated. Um, it was another huge accomplishment, but at the same time, I didn't understand what these deals really were. I wish I would have um, had an attorney present, um, but it was a 360 deal and a 360 deal is pretty much like the worst deal you can get. And pretty much what that is, is them tapping into every bit of your likeness and music, um, owning your masters, owning pretty much owning you. Um, so when you see that big chunk of money handed to you, you're just like, oh, you know, hell yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's still ultimately money that needs to be paid back or that your money's being taken from you or your, your music's being taken from you. And I was a shelved artist. So what they like typically in the music business, what they like to do is they like to find hundreds of artists like me, guys that have worked from the ground up, that have built a foundation and use everything that they've built, get them to sign 360 deals. Um, take everything from their show money to their merch to their masters and what they typically do is they take all that money from all those hundreds of artists and they'll invest that money into the artists that they're pushing at the time like the big artists that they're really pushing so it's pretty much like being a shelved a shelved artist i'm just sitting there like now i'm 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 controlled i don't have i have to check in i have to but there was just so, uh, such a bigger demand on you know, I'm already battling at the time, you know, time spent with my kids. And then now that I see, you know, I'm happy, I see this money and I think it's a good thing, but realize the demand of what they want from me for what they're taking. It was just more time away from my kids and taking everything that I'm working for. And, um, I, I pretty much, I walked out, I quit. Um, 
I quit and I walked out. Um, and, uh, I was, I was still a signed Sony artist going into just like quitting for like, I had quit for a year, just cut off all communication and, uh, started this hobby <laughs> like that's kind of where it kind of transitioned that. Yeah. Like, and, uh, it was an, another blessing from God. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, mad respect, man, that yeah. you're a hustler for sure. Um, witnessed from afar, but hearing your story yeah. is like, yeah, it's another level that I had no idea. Um, but a lot of respect. And Chris, did you know any of this? <laughs> oh, I knew Dubs was making <laughs> music, but that was the minimal yeah. extent of it. But I think a big thing is how much you've experienced in your life at such a young age right now. It's like, uh, call it good, call it bad. Their experiences all together. And now they made you into the man you are. And now you're able to raise your kids how you want them to grow up so they can learn from you and do that much better, which you got to look at it all that way. Shit right. turns out pretty damn good. Right. <laughs> right. Appreciate that, man. It's just, you know, it took, it took a lot because, you know, it's not, it's not that you guys haven't seen me for a long time. No one's seen me for a long <laughs> yeah. time. So, and that was the thing is, you know, I had my kids on the way, you know, just, you know, not having a father growing up um, was like the biggest thing for me to just want to be able to provide, um, especially in the circumstances of just not graduating with, you know, with a diploma and getting my GED and just not really having that education. You know, the, the hustle has always been there. And luckily I have that. And um, but it was something that like I found out real early, just bullshitting around, hanging around. Um, that I just, I had to cut off regardless if it was for the good or bad, um, and kind of just grow up fast, you know, um, still the same dude, still, still, you know, messing around, but like, you know, it's just, just really just growing up fast, man. And, you know, my brother Amari ended up going to, you know, uh, to Oregon and graduating. And I just started seeing, you know, them doing some things. And I was just like, yo, I gotta, I got to make the best of what I got and and do, do me. And, um, you know, regardless of what some of my closest friends thought, or I was definitely that guy that just didn't care what no one thought and just did what I wanted to do. And, and, uh, it it panned out, but that was, that was the biggest thing, man. It's just not having my pops there. And, you know, I I don't know. I don't know who knows how it would have turned out if I would have had a father figure, like, and I'm definitely not trying to, you know, have my kids think that same way. And that's what they have, you know, here with me. So, um, there was a lot of, a lot of friendships and a lot of people I hadn't been able to see. So, um, yeah. But man, that deserves more respect and love than a lot of things people are out here doing because you're breaking the cycle of how your boss wasn't around as much for you. But now you're there for your kids. And right. That gets overlooked. Well, that's a thing that people don't give you credit for pushing through that. And 
we need more people like that, like you, are to show people what they can do, and they just go for it. I mean, they might not have the window swag and hustle, but <laughs> if they try, they'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, mad respect, man. You breaking the mold. Um, that that alone is something to be proud of. So appreciate that, man. Um, and you know, education is one thing, but what you do with your time is another. Right. And if you don't apply your education to anything, then you're not really spending your time wisely. So you, you're really doing the most with the time that you have. Um, and that's more than anybody can say than half the population in the world. Right. Right. It's so funny. Yeah, let's have tonight. And there has been something that recently passed in And it was having to do with an ALS patient uh, disability in God. So usually I want to diagnose with ALS, you have a minimum of six months no wait until you get a disability check. And so now they've gotten rid of that the six month waiting period and you have access to disability money a lot sooner, which is really good because uh, for a lot of people, ALS, and takes you out of work also. And we have that money. It's very nice, no matter how much it might be. So that's a really big step in the right direction to providing a lot more to people when they really need it. It's a cool thing, and it was a really long process. It took a handful of years for that to come to fruition. Yeah, definitely. And I remember Mike Stevenson uh, from the ALS Association was talking about that and how it was in in front of the Senate, I believe. And... uh, yeah, I think just within the last month or so is when we found out that it had passed, right? Yeah, that was very true. It was uh, real recently. Yeah, uh, which is great and uh, definitely needed as a, I'm going to quote Mike from this, but he's like six months for somebody with ALS is a long time. Like mm-hmm. that is a very long time and a lot can happen within six months. Um, I've witnessed what you've gone through over the last six months to a year plus, and yeah, a lot can change in six months. So the, the sooner that people can start getting that care and getting that support, um, it's, it's vital time. That's for sure. It really is. And I think a huge thing is, as a step in the right direction for more positive things to come the way the patient with ALS and as town in this week you will uh, get the oil you gotta 
I keep going out and I'm willing for some of the vitamin of the time we have and what we can get to really support us while we're in. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Progress. That's what we're all about. Trying to make progress. Uh-huh. Making progress, yeah. Oh, you remember those lyrics, though, huh? <laughs> no, bro. I made that up. I put it to random melody that stuck in my head. At the car wash, yeah. That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> it was secret. I know those lyrics. Cool, man. Uh, Well, that's a wrap for this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed it. 